This is 89.1 WEMU, and welcome to another edition of Issues of the Environment. It's a weekly feature we've presented for over 26 years now. I'm David Fair, and many of the conversations that we've had over those more than two decades have focused on transportation and the need to better deal with transportation pollution. Our guest today is an expert on the matter. Charles Griffith is Climate and Energy Program Director at the Ann Arbor-based Ecology Center. And Charles, nice to have you back again. It's great to be back with you too, David. Now, in many parts of our country and the world, when the pandemic shut everything down, we actually start to see the air clear a bit. There was no longer the haze of smog over Los Angeles. India reported the cleanest air conditions in decades, and yet the impacts of climate change continue to worsen. And now, as we get back to some semblance of normalcy in our day-to-day lives, vehicle pollution, particularly buses, trucks, and heavy tractor trailers, that's going to get back to peak levels rather quickly if it hasn't already. How significant a role do those heavy vehicles contribute to dirty air? David, it's really interesting. I mean, they only make up about 10% of the vehicles on the road, but they account for more than a quarter of greenhouse gases and more than half of sort of dirty particulate pollution from transportation that we know disproportionately impacts people of color and low-income communities that are likely to live near trekking corridors and distribution centers and things like that. I was uh, going to point out, and I'm glad that you did, this is clearly not just an environmental issue, but a public health issue as well. The Environmental Defense Fund reported that more than 20,000 Americans every year die prematurely simply because of the pollution from our roadway vehicles. Are those kinds of figures a surprise to you as they were to me? Well, I've been at this for a little while, so it's not a surprise to me anymore. But yes, they are pretty staggering figures. And for folks that generally think about vehicles and vehicle pollution, they probably don't think as much about the contribution that these bigger trucks, you know, mostly powered by diesel, contribute to to the pollution in our urban you know, cores and along trekking corridors, as I mentioned. As you mentioned, people of color, those living in low-income areas, much more dramatically impacted. So this makes it an environmental justice issue as well. Environmental justice, has that a growing aspect of what you explore at the Ecology Center? Yeah, we've had a high value around social justice in general, but environmental justice has been a topic that we've been focusing on for quite a long time. Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan has have some of the preeminent researchers of, on environmental justice, and they've been colleagues of ours over the years. And it's just a core theme of everything we do because you know, we want to clean up the environment for everybody, and we can't leave anybody behind. 89.1 WEMU's Issues of the Environment, and our conversation on transportation pollution continues with Charles Griffith. Charles is Climate and Energy Program Director at the Ecology Center. And to highlight just how bad it is around here, the American Lung Association says the Ann Arbor-Detroit-Warren Corridor ranks 12th for poor air quality in a study of more than 200 metropolitan areas around the country. Charles, Michigan has recognized that dealing with this heavy vehicle pollution has to be a priority. As such, it's joined with 15 other states in committing to zeroing out emissions from trucks and buses by the year 2050. First of all, the commitment is a memorandum of understanding between these states. It is a small number of states. What weight does the memorandum actually carry? Well, actually, I need to clarify something. The the governor has not yet Michigan on with these other states. We've been asking uh, her to do so. I think she's been hearing some pushback from those in the industry that are fearful that it 
would would lead to something that they might not like. Uh, you're right that the memorandum only is a commitment to try to figure out solutions to zero out pollution from the sector. But, you know, one of the ways that you can get there is by instating vehicle standards for these larger trucks, as California has done, and now several other states have signaled their uh, interest in following suit. Very often, change is driven by what happens at local levels. Certainly communities in Washtenaw County, including Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, have committed to becoming carbon neutral, and part of that involves transportation policy and initiatives. But that's not taking place at all levels of government, as you've just pointed out. How are you working to inspire other governmental bodies and elected leaders to move forward and to do so quickly? Well, certainly start with your own fleet. Um, Look for opportunities to purchase cleaner trucks and uh, vehicles in your in your city fleet. We think there are a lot of interesting electric trucks that are coming onto the onto the market now that will be options for cities to explore. Uh, I know the city of Ann Arbor is looking at things like uh, electric recycling trucks, compost trucks, things of that nature. The next step would be looking at ways that they can incentivize or even require the other private trucking fleets and delivery vehicles and things of that sort to clean up and hopefully electrify over the coming years. We're talking with Ecology Center Climate and Energy Program Director Charles Griffith on 89.1 WEMU's Issues of the Environment. And as you mentioned, uh, we can't achieve the reduction in heavy vehicle emissions without a transformation of the corporate transportation industry. We've seen GM commit to 30 all-electric vehicles for passenger vehicles on a global basis by 2025, Ford moving in that similar direction. Uh, that certainly helps. But how much behind is the movement for buses and heavy trucks and that part of the manufacturing sector? Well, actually, I don't know that I would say it's behind, David. Um, the passenger vehicles get all the buzz. But in the heavy-duty sector, there are announcements from GM and Ford that they're going to be developing over the next year or two, the electric delivery trucks that kind of best known as those last-mile vehicles that bring your packages to your home or to your local shops. And then, you know, you mentioned buses. There have been very robust developments in the transit bus and now school bus sectors. There are really good vehicles on the market now, and many transit agencies are starting to make the switch. I know that um, Port Huron is in, in Michigan, uh, I, interestingly, is getting the first two electric transit buses, and Detroit and the Smart Transit Authority are also getting some electric transit buses later this year. Those are, you know, well-established electric vehicles that that are available for any transit agency now. They cost a little bit more, so we're interested in policies and programs and, and federal programs that help bring down those costs a little bit. There's money actually in the governor's proposed budget, in the you know, that the legislature hasn't acted on yet that would help create a fund to provide incentives for fleets to switch over to clean electric transportation options. There's also money in the federal legislation that's being discussed right now, the infrastructure spending bills that we, I know, have talked about probably on your program, have included some money to help electrify transit and school bus fleets across the country. Again, though, affordability is an issue at all levels. Uh, Realistically, how long can 
government subsidy be a part of the equation? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, we don't think that it needs to be there for long. It's used more as a jumpstart of the market to help get the vehicles out into circulation, build demand, and then drive down those prices. The transit buses that I was talking about a second ago, they are very close to cost parity. And believe it or not, I think within the next five or so years, those vehicles, it will be cheaper to purchase and operate than a, a standard diesel bus. And at that point, you're talking about it being an, an added cost for local governments or transit agencies to, to keep buying the, the, the older diesel versions of those buses. You know, school buses, there's a little bigger gap, and so people are looking at creative ways to get value out of those battery packs, like, for example, using them to provide power back to the grid during times in the summer when they are largely sitting around, and that added value could help cut the cost difference. The way you make it sound, Charles, is the future is clear and it is electric. If you were to paint a word picture of what our transportation system in America might look like 20 years from now, based on your decades of experience in this realm, what's that going to be? Oh, let's see how I can do a word picture over the radio. Um, (laughs) It's not like I'm asking anything difficult. (laughs) No, no. Think of the trucks that you may think of when you experience them in your neighborhoods or in your cities. And now think about them being quiet, clean, and actually connected to the grid in ways that help provide backup power and help make it more efficient to keep prices down and to help integrate other renewable energy resources into the grid. There's a lot of ways that those batteries can be used that sort of help support, you know, renewable energy by using that energy when it's abundant and then providing energy back to the grid and then perhaps, you know, the sun goes down in the evening time. It's going to be a really different world in terms of both our transportation system and our electric system. It's very exciting to, to think about. Well, as we move towards that end, uh, you and I are going to have opportunity to talk a lot more about it and how we get there. So thank you very much for today, and I'll look forward to our next conversation. My pleasure, David. That is Charles Griffith, Climate and Energy Program Director at the Ann Arbor-based Ecology Center and our guest on Issues of the Environment. This weekly feature is produced in partnership with the Office of the Washtenaw County Water Resources Commissioner, and you hear it every Wednesday. For more information on the topic and Charles' work, visit our website at wemu.org. I'm David Fair, and this is 89.1 WEMU-FM and HD1 Ypsilanti.